see what God will do. He's going to do something, that's for sure. We're going to talk tonight about remembering and forgetting. Remembering and forgetting. In fact, we might do this more than one service. Because I found several things in the Word of God that we were to remember. And I found some things that we were also to forget. And I don't have time tonight to get to all the things we're supposed to remember. And I don't have time at all to get to anything that we're supposed to forget. Okay? So we're just going to talk about a couple of things that we're supposed to remember tonight. You know, it's really important what we remember, and it's important what we forget. Most Christians forget what they ought to remember, and they remember what they ought to forget. They walk around carrying a heavy load, a heavy burden, because they're remembering things that they have no business remembering. Amen? And then they just totally forgot and lost hold of the things that God specifically has told us that we ought to remember. We need a, you know, a, somebody said you need a, you got stinking thinking sometimes and you need a checkup from the neck up. Amen. You know, if we're remembering the wrong things, something's not right in here, right? And if we're, if we're forgetting the wrong things, something's not right. So tonight we're going to get straightened out on what we need to remember and what we need to forget. And we'll start with Psalm 103. This is a real familiar scripture to you, but I guarantee you, you'll learn some things from the Holy Ghost tonight if we get there. I mean, if we get that far. But if we don't get that far, we'll learn something too. Psalm 103 verse 1. There's a lot of things in the Bible that it says to remember. You can type remember into your, your concordance on your computer and all sorts of scriptures will come up. And you can type uh, forget and some scriptures will come up. We're supposed to forget some things. And when I want to talk about that, I, I, I can't wait to get to that to tell you some things you're supposed to forget. Begin with me in Psalm 103 and just follow along as I read. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. That's the same as remember, right? And forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. So we have some things here that He says to forget not. Or in other words, He's telling us, I want you to remember these things. I'm going to give you three reasons before we start out of, of why you need to remember. The first reason you need to remember these things is we need to remember God's benefits because God is such a good God. We have a good God. He is a loving Father. Sometimes we just push Him so far out into the heavenlies and we have no, we don't really personalize Him enough that He is our literal Father. He is my Father. He is my Daddy God. He is more of a Father to me, even if you have a good natural Father. Praise God for that if you have a good natural Father. But even if you do, God's still more of a Father. And He's the Father that you're to be dependent on. And looking to. He can, there's things for you, no matter how good your natural father is, no matter how much he wants to do them for you, that he just can't do. The first time I ever encountered a problem that my daddy couldn't fix, it was kind of a shock to me. 
But thank heavens, I knew my Father God. And I knew He could fix it. But all my life, I was the only child. Daddy did everything. He took care of everything. He fixed everything. He supplied everything. I never had a need. I never was, I never was sick as a child and, you know, never had any uh, catastrophic things anyway, just normal little childhood things. And, um, not normal little childhood things. I mean, scratch all that, but you know what I mean. Normal to the world little childhood things. And we didn't know any better. And so, um, uh, but Daddy fixed everything. But then I encountered some things later in life that, that Daddy couldn't fix. And I encountered some things money couldn't fix. That it took, a, it took a, a father. It took a loving heavenly father. And so we have a loving father. We need to remember that. And he desires to bless his children. I just want you to just think about and dwell on that scripture tonight that, that Pastor read this morning, Matthew seven 11. I'm going to read it to you again. Pastor read this this morning, but this is rich. This is so rich. There's so much we can get from the Word of God. Matthew 7, verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? I have how much more circled in my Bible. How much more? How much more? So no matter how good your heavenly father, I mean your earthly father was, how much more? Not just a little bit more. How much more? How much more? Or maybe you didn't have a good earthly father. Well, look, and, you, and maybe, yo, you looked out and you had friends that did. How much more than their fathers? How much more? How much more shall your father, your father, he's not just, he's personal to you. It's not just the whole church's father. He's your father. He's your father and you need to you need to call him that and you need to talk to him like that and you need to address him my uh, father my father oh a father not just some you know uh, dear god in heaven but oh father dear father see if we'll get real personal with god we'll get a lot further and we'll get a lot more done won't we and so um that's one reason we need to remember. He, he says there, if your Father, which is in heaven, will give good things, good things, good things to them that ask Him. He gives good things. God gives good things. Notice that word, things. He gives good things. Good things. He gives good things. Everything good you have ever had in your life, God gave it to you. Every good thing on earth, God invented it and gave it to the body of Christ. There's some good things. Well, he didn't, he didn't invent good things so the mafia would have nice things, right? He didn't give good things so the drug dealers could have nice things. He, got, he, he invented, you know, there's some pretty spiffy inventions out there. You know what? There is. And they're pretty good, I tell you. They're for you. They're good things, and God wants you to have good things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, just upgrade your vision. You know, there's probably some good things you didn't even know had been invented. I know when we had the baby shower for Amy and uh, Barry, there were things invented for babies that weren't invented when we, I had my babies. 
I'm sure there's some good things. I'm sure they're good. I don't want to try them out or anything, but, you know, except on a, but, you know, there's some good things out there. God, God put them there for you. The second thing, reason we need to uh, remember is that God's, God's benefits is because His Son, Jesus, paid a great price to purchase them for us. We need to remember the benefits because God's Son, Jesus, paid a great price to purchase them for you. It was great it was great gain, but there was a great sacrifice. And you know what? You are worth every bit of the price. You, you by yourself are worth every bit of the price that Jesus paid. But I think it disappoints our Father God. I know I don't like to waste anything. Do you like to waste things? And God doesn't like to waste the blood of Jesus. He doesn't like to waste that sacrifice. He doesn't like to have Jesus bear 39 stripes and all the bruising and, that Jesus bore and it be a waste because His church doesn't know a thing about healing, don't believe in it, don't know about it, doesn't walk in it. That's a waste and God doesn't like to waste I don't like to waste. God put His heart in us. And even though we don't have to walk under a poverty thing and, and say, oh, you know, and save every little macaroni and everything, you know, we don't have to do that. We don't have to be condemned when we accidentally waste something. And, uh, but we, but we don't, but there should be a heart of the Father in us that doesn't want to waste. And God doesn't want to waste. Number three, the third reason that we're supposed to remember, that is if we walk in His benefits, He wants us to remember that, then we will represent Him well. Amen. We are blessed to be a blessing. And when we walk in the benefits, when we remember His benefits, then we represent Him well. We are good representatives of Him. Amen? Amen. And the world notices the world notices when somebody's walking in benefits. The world notices when we're blessed. And other Christians who maybe are not walking in the place of commitment that you are, they notice. They notice when you're blessed. You may not, just because they don't walk up and tell you doesn't mean they're not noticing, but sometimes they tell you. I know my stepmom, when they came out here, they're coming again the end of October. This is company month for us. And... um. They're coming. And my stepmom, when they came last year in October, they said, uh, she said, well, if anybody thought y'all weren't supposed to leave Texas, all they'd have to do is look and see how much God's blessed y'all since you've been here. And they could tell. See, it shows up when people see blessings. It didn't show up because she saw, you know, how spiritual I had become on the inside. She didn't, you know, or anything like that. She, it wasn't something spiritual she saw. It was something real natural she saw. And, you know, I know Chris works with a girl. And, and this girl said to her, said, uh, you have everything I want. See, they notice. She said, you got a new house, you got a new car, and you got a baby. You got everything I want. Well, you know, that's an open door. Because God would give her everything just the same. Amen. Praise God. See, the world notices. And it's good when we are rep good representatives of Him. So we have to not forget His benefits or we won't walk in them. If you forget these things, you won't walk in them. Now, Psalm 103, if you go back over there. In Psalm 103, that chapter starts out, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. There's two times to bless. Then verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. So three times He tells us to bless the Lord. 
And then before he tells us to not forget his benefits. I tell you the reason he did that, it's because it's not just enough to remember. Some people know his benefits, but if you're going to cause the benefits to be activated in your life, you do that by blessing the Lord. In other words, by thanking and praising Him for those benefits activates them. You can activate the benefits by thanking Him and praising Him for Him for them. I know, you know, because I've told you all before, this is not any secret, that I've been believing since 1988 for a, for a Mark 10 house. I call it my Mark 10 house because Mark 10, 29 says, No man having given up houses, lands, etc. Uh, will not receive a hundredfold in this lifetime and so forth. And so since 1988, I've been believing Him uh, uh, for that Mark 10 house. And um, uh, the Lord about, I, I don't remember if it was the first of the year, but it's been several months ago. Mm. And he, I think it was right at the first of the year. He said, I want you to thank me every day. Now, I've been believing for this and periodically, you know, thanking him for it and reminding him of it through the years past. But uh, this year, the Lord said, every day I want you to thank you, thank me for my Mark 10 house. Well, I have forgot a few days, but sometimes I've thanked him about 10 times in a day because I remembered it a lot. And so... um. But I'm endeavoring to do that and to thank Him. Because why? Because thanking and praising the Lord for His benefits activates the benefits in our lives. Amen? If you want to activate healing in your life, you can just begin to thank Him and praise Him for the healing that He's provided and the health that you have. Praise God. It activates things when we thank Him and praise Him. Some of us are sitting around waiting on something to happen, waiting on God to do something. You know what? He's already done. Jesus has already done all He's going to do. Amen? It's already done. It's already done. Praise God. Well, uh, the seven, there's seven benefits lifted in this passage. We're not going to get to all of them tonight. Uh, the first benefit there is uh, who forgive, verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Now that's very important. Actually, that's the most important one. So he put it first. It's very important that you understand and that you activate the forgiveness of all your iniquities uh, through, through that you activate this in your life. Because sin is a great weight. Did y'all know sin's a great weight? The world is weighted down because they have sin. People know instinctively, even people that aren't Christians know instinctively that they have to pay for their sins. Did you know people know that? They know they have to pay. You know, and they may even say things like, boy, that person, they're going to pay for that. They're going to pay for that. Sometimes they think people ought to pay that really don't need to pay because they don't understand. You know, isn't that the truth? You know, there was the, what was her name? Carla Faye. What was, y'all remember her on death row in Texas that got ex executed, what, about a year ago? Had got, had murdered someone, was guilty, deserved to go to death row, was not a Christian, got saved in prison. I think, I think under Mike Barber's ministry, got saved in, in prison. And you know, the governor of Texas, George Bush, he didn't give her, they applied for the, what do you call that when, huh? I didn't hear. Clemency. Okay. That's not, that's a foreign word to me. Um, they applied for that. He didn't give it to her. I don't think he was wrong. I, I, I personally, I mean, she didn't deserve to die and everything, but in the sense of, of, of you can't, you, as a, you have to, uh, 
you know, you have to send a message to people that you just can't say, I got saved. You know, and so I'm not saying he was wrong. But I am saying that, you know, sometimes, the, you know, the families, a lot of times of people who did bad things, they cry, oh, no, no mercy, kill them. They deserve to die. Uh, and they don't want to show any mercy because they think they need to pay. But really, that's not always the case that we're supposed to pay. Because there's something in this Scripture Jesus paid. He bore our iniquities, didn't He? I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. Now, there's two types of sin. And, and really, most of you might not have realized this. Some of you may have. But uh, there are two types of sin. And forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities. Isaiah 53. And we're going to look in verse 5. Well, let's start in verse 4 just so you'll get the context here. We know this is prophetic scripture about Jesus. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now listen to this. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, we see there that there's two types of sin. Sometimes we lump that all together. But the Bible says He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, iniquity, what that is, is that's the sin nature. It's the most serious kind of sin. It's the sin that's caused by Adam's choice, and every person born into the earth has a sin nature. Amen? Amen? You can't get around it. And the only cure for the sin nature, how many of you know, is to be born again. Amen. He forgiveth all my iniquities. And everyone that has a sin nature, if they're not born again, they're going to go to hell. That's the truth. No matter how good a person they were, no matter how many times they attend church, no matter any of those things, if they're not born again, they're going to go to hell. Because they have a sin nature. And sin that, 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 they have iniquity. And God forgives our iniquities. And being born again is the only thing that will deal with this. Now, the second kind of sin he carried there, it, say, it says there, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. Now, that's the different kind of sin. That's the behavioral sin. That's, be, that's behavioral choices. That's bad choices. That's cheating, gossiping, wasting time, wasting the gift of God that's inside of you. All of that's sin. All of that is transgression. It's not iniquity. It's transgression. You understand that? Are you with me so far? And this kind of sin won't send you to hell. Now listen to me. A lot of the church is real messed up on this. Because they, you know, there's churches that think that this red fingernail polish would send me straight to hell. There are. In this town, there are churches that believe that this red fingernail polish would send me to hell. And some of you women, you got skirts on that would send you to hell in a heartbeat. You know, and and uh, and they and and then just get over into things that we all agree sin. I mean, we agree that smoking is sin, but some people, some churches think that you smoke and you're going to hell. But smokers don't go to hell because it's not transgression that sends you to hell. 
It's iniquity. And if you're born again, you don't have any iniquity. The sin nature is gone. Somebody said, no, you don't go to hell, but you just smell like it. That's what some, you know, I've heard that said. But one thing about transgression, transgression doesn't send you to hell, but you know what transgression will do? It'll give you hell on earth. Sin causes us to have hell on earth. Did y'all ever see any families that they are just messed up? I mean, they're just messed up. They're saved, but they just got so many problems because it's just like a soap opera. Because you know why? Because transgression is causing them to have hell on earth. And Jesus, we're not to forget His benefits. He forgiveth all our iniquities. In this case, where we're talking about no Scriptures, both kinds, both kinds. Amen? Now here in Isaiah 53, 4, it says He was wounded for our transgressions. A wound is superficial. I know Colin, he played uh, football this afternoon, and he has a little wound on his leg. He's got a boo-boo. He's, he's scraped on his leg. It's superficial. But how many of you know bruises go deep? And the Bible says bruises, bru- He was bruised for our iniquities. Jesus had wounds for our transgressions, but He was bruised because He had to bear... Our iniquity has to do with our spirit. It had to do with our sin nature, and He was bruised for that. And He, was, he, he, he had wounds for our transgressions. So, um, he has uh, taken care of that. Now, here's something important. You cannot repent the sin nature away. Did you know that there are people in other religions that worship Buddha and all sorts of things like that that ask forgiveness for sin all the time? You cannot repent iniquity away or the sin nature away. And it's not even we don't even need to ask when sinners come to the front and say they they're not born again, they want to receive Jesus. We don't need to ask them to repent. All we need to do is ask them to receive Jesus as their savior. Amen. The Bible says if they'll believe in their heart and confess their with their mouth. But a lot of times we tell them, you need to repent of your sins. No, they don't need to repent of their sins. Now they do need to acknowledge they're a sinner. That they're lost. That they're without God. But how could they ever repent of their sin? Dear Lord, they couldn't think of all of them. Because that's what they eat, sleep, drink, and breathe. They live it, honey. Because that's what sinners do. Right? So you can't repent iniquity away. You can't repent your sin nature away. You must be born again. Amen? Well, let's go a little further with that. You can't believe away transgression. See, you can believe your way into salvation, but you can't believe away transgression. 1 John 1, 9 says that if you sin after you're born again, that you must confess your sin. You've got to confess your sin. You can't just say, well, Lord, forgive us of all my shortcomings. That doesn't cover it. You've got to, you've got to determine what you are... Uh, you've got to figure out what God's convicting you of, and you've got to repent of it. Each one, individually. Now, you, there's a line. Don't go back behind the line when you got born again. Don't go back behind the line. You know when you got born again? 
Does everybody know when they got born again? Don't go back behind that line. But now when you miss the mark, when you uh, cheat, when you lie, we say, well, Christians don't do those things. Well, certainly they do. You're tempted to lie. You know, you go to your mother-in-law's house. She says, how do you like this pie? Oh, it's good. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, you have to repent. Did you know that all, did, does everybody in here know that all lies are wrong even when they're the intention of not hurting somebody's feelings? And nearly every one of us have, well, I'll just say that every one of us, we've lied at some point just, just to not hurt somebody's feelings. Well, those things have to be repented of. Well, God brings them to our remembrance. He shows us. He shines His light on it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so you can't believe away your transgression. You can't repent away your iniquity. Now, the second benefit, y'all go back to Psalm 103. Are y'all with me? Psalm 103. He says, Forgiveth all thine iniquities, in verse 3, who healeth, all thy diseases. This is so important. We need more understanding here. Of course, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, they say Jesus bore 39 stripes. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure that's right, but He bore much more than that. I mean, I mean, not maybe more stripes, but more uh, affliction to His body. The Bible says that you, he, you, he was not recognizable as a man. I mean, he was, he was so beaten, so bruised, so marred that he was not recognizable. And so it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you see in the pictures, you know, little stripes going across the back. You know, it was more than that. Y'all realize that? Okay, and uh, it says there in Isaiah 53, 4, where we were before. You don't have to go back if you don't want to. But I'll just show you, tell you what it says. Isaiah 53, he says, surely he hath borne our griefs, that word translates out diseases, and carried our sorrows, that word in the Hebrew translates out pains. You ought to write that in your Bible. It'll help you. Amen. It'll help you if you'll write out diseases for griefs and pains for sorrow. So we could read, surely he hath borne our diseases and carried our pains. The Amplified Bible in verse 3 of Psalm 103 3 says he heals each of all your diseases. Now this is real important. You need to catch this. He healed this is what the amplified says. He heals each of all your diseases. I have noticed, now this is why it's important. A lot of people have several things wrong in their body. Sometimes it's because one thing can lead to another thing and so forth, you know. And, but some people have several things wrong in their body. And I have noticed, I'm not sure exactly why this is, but I think that amplified version sheds lots, light on it. But I've noticed that uh, many times we have to receive those, and most of the time we have to receive healing for those individually. I've seen people that really need an overhaul. Maybe you've been there when you needed an overhaul. And I've seen God, I mean, you know, it might hurt in ten places. You might have ten things wrong with you, and God call you out and heal one. Amen. Because, and, and most of the time, you need to receive from Him individually on those things. You need to focus your faith individually, usually. Praise God. Now, I want to talk about for a few minutes the different reasons for sickness. Now, keep that in mind. He heals um, 
all, each of all your diseases. I want you to keep that in mind. God heals each of all your diseases. So there is nothing wrong with our bodies that He hasn't healed. Amen? There's nothing wrong with you He won't heal. There's nothing too hard for God. But we need, we're going to have to approach Him in faith about each one of those things. And sometimes people, when they first start out in healing, there's just so many things wrong with them. It deplete their faith to try all of them. So they need to believe God for that one thing. Get that one thing in mind and get that miracle. And get healed in that area. And I tell you, it'll be a victory that'll help you in other areas then. Praise God. Now I've seen God do, you know, Him heal two things, two or three things on somebody at one time. And He does do that. But I'm just saying most of the time, all right? Okay, so there's different... Let me give you some different reasons for sickness. I know some of them you've thought of before, but a couple of them you may not have. The first reason for sickness is what we would call natural sickness. And this is failure to cooperate with the laws of health. We can have things wrong in our body because we fail to co cooperate with the laws of health. That could be if you don't get enough sleep, uh, you know, our bodies were designed and everybody's body's different. Some people need more sleep than other people, but you have to have a certain amount of sleep. And when you don't cooperate with that, now I think we should, we're faith people. And if you miss sleep one night, don't throw up your hand, oh my God, I'm going to get sick. I've missed my sleep. Well, no, we can walk in faith here, okay? I've seen people literally do that. Oh, you know, we got to have our sleep. You know, things can happen if we don't have our sleep. I know I was kind of like that about my kids. I did. I let Colin one time when he was a kid go to a slumber party or something. I guess that I don't know what it's called for a boy, but you know. Anyway, he they stayed up all night. The next day he came home and he talked about things that were not of this world, and they weren't spiritual either. I mean, the kid was talking out of his head. And I thought, this is bad. I said, go to bed and just go to sleep. I just, and you know, I prayed over him. And in about an hour, he got up and he's walking around talking out of his head. I said, go lay down that bed, go to sleep and don't get up till I tell you you can. And then I said, you're never staying up all night again. And I was kind of like that the rest of his life, wasn't I? I think he had to sneak around, sneak around then to stay up all night. Because he, he just talked out of his head. Well, see, we can get out of faith about those things, can't we? Well, hallelujah. So that's the natural side of it. Right things to eat, clean water. How many of you know we have to have clean water? And that we could have sickness in our body. You get drink polluted water and you get sick. And if you don't fix the water supply, it don't matter how much God heals you. Isn't that right? That's natural. That'd be natural sickness. Now God will heal us, but we have to make adjustments. We need to get our sleep and so forth. Now the second kind of sickness is generational curses. Now, probably most of you are aware that these things exist uh, here. Uh, this would be hereditary diseases. You know, there's past things passed down through the generation. But did you know that the moment you got born again, that was taken care of? Because Jesus, when He died at Calvary, He broke the power of all generational curses. Amen. At Calvary, the power of every generational curse was broken. But I found this, if we don't enforce Calvary, then Satan will enforce the curse. 
He'll put, even though he has no right to legally, he'll, if we don't enforce Calvary in our life and say, no, I'm not taking that diabetes or whatever. Sometimes that's generational. Uh, uh, Heart disease is generational. If we don't say no and say, I'm not taking that, the curse is broken. You know, if you go to the doctor, they want to know if your grandmother had cancer and if your mother had cancer. What? And you know what? They don't understand, but it doesn't make any difference in your life. Because that's not, the, that's not your inheritance. You know what? Your brother, Jesus, doesn't have it, and your father, God, doesn't have it. And that's all you have to know. They don't either one of them have cancer, never have had. And so that's all you need to know. That's the generational kind of sickness. Now, there's some one that's going to help you. There's another kind of sickness that's the fiery dart. And now this, this is going to help you right here. The source, you know the source of all sickness is Satan, right? But some sicknesses are sent to you as a fiery dart. In other words, they're not generational and you haven't been breaking any natural laws. In other words, you've been getting your sleep, you've been eating good, you've been drinking safe water, and you've been, you know, you're not breaking any natural laws, and, you're, and you, this is not generational, this is nobody in your... But all of a sudden, there's a fiery dart hits your body. Amen? The Bible says that when it comes to this kind of thing, the fiery dart, that if in James 4, 7, that if we will resist the devil, he will flee. I li- you know what this is like? I'll tell you just exactly what this is like. Satan comes by sometimes, or his demons, actually his demon spirits, and they just throw a little fiery dart at you and to just see if you'll take it. But sometimes we are so dramatic. When we could just resist the devil, no, I won't take that. I'm not taking that. I refuse that. In the name of Jesus. And we just, but sometimes we're all, we're so dramatic and, and you know, we, we just, you know, we just overreact instead of just, no, I'm not taking that. Ephesians 6, 16. I want you to turn there. Ephesians 6, verse 16. This is just a fiery dart coming by. No reason. No reason except Satan's a mean guy. He don't play fair, does he? Amen. No reason. Okay, Ephesians 6.16. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't have to take any of it. But I'm just showing you the different ways that Satan comes and tries to put sickness. Ephesians 6.16. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It's important that we keep our faith level high. Because when our faith level's high and a fiery dart comes, we just lift up the shield of faith. No, in Jesus' name, I won't take that. I refuse that. I resist it. I'm not taking it. And you know, sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it leaves that fast. Sometimes we might have to resist for 30 minutes. We might resist 10 minutes. We might just, you know, we might, you know, sometimes we may have to get the Word out and speak the Word like Jesus did. It's written. But it's most of the time, a fiery, fiery dart, if you've got your faith level high. Now, if your faith level's low, first of all, you're going to be like, oh, God. You know, and you're gonna, if you're walking under condemnation, I hadn't been in the Word, 
I hadn't been doing what I was supposed to do. And see, so you've got condemnation there. And you, you'll let that fiery dart slip in. And Satan's just seeing. He See, he's coming by. He's knocking on your door, seeing if you'll take it. I've told you this before, but they used to do a skit in children's church. Uh, and uh, that somebody would dress up like they call him El Diablo, you know. And he'd, they'd dress up like the devil. And they'd have a, he'd have a really pretty present wrapped up. And he'd knock on children's church door. And of course, the children's minister would go over there and open the door. And the kids, and he'd, he'd say, I have a present for y'all. And the kids would go, no, 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 you know. And see, that's how we need to be. No, 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 no. But sometimes, you know, we say, well, you know. You know, we kind of feel a little symptom in our body. We say, well, you know, we was with the relatives yesterday, and I know they were feeling these symptoms. And then we just, you know, we buy into the system. Instead of saying, no, no, not taking this, not taking this. Well, then there's another kind of sickness. This one you might not have thought of. Let me read this to you first. The fiery dart is a demonically inspired test to see if you will take it. In other words, Satan dangles a carrot or a symptom in front of you, and if you receive it, then it's yours. Okay? Now, the, uh, the fourth kind, or the fourth way sickness comes, is the open door. That's what I call it, open door. Or actually, more literally, in the Bible, it would be the broken hedge. In other words, you've got a break in your hedge. You've got a hedge around you, and there's a break in it. Now, the Job talks about this, so let's go over to Job right before Psalms. We won't be but a little bit more. Job chapter 1, and this will help you right here, because we can have a break in our hedge. Job, chap Job had a break in his hedge. Job 1, verse beginning reading, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him? Now Job had a hedge about him. And about his house and about all that he hath on every side. We can get a hedge built around our things, our property, our family, and our personal being, our personal body. We can get a hedge built around us, can't we? And um, he says, um, Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put, but put forth thine hand, now this is Satan talking, and now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Well, we know God doesn't do that anyway. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself. Evidently, the hedge was not down where it was coming to his personal body, but uh, on himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. What God said to Satan, you know, he, 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 just, he did not give Satan permission to touch Job. He, but he, what he told him was, he told him, you're, the hedge is already down, and you just don't know it. The hedge is down. Satan, Job, excuse me, had his hedge down. He had a hole in his hedge. Now, if we go over to Job chapter 3, verse 25, we'll find out why he had the hole in his hedge. It says in verse 25, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which was I, I was afraid of is come unto me. So we find that the reason Job had a hole in his hedge is he had fear. He was operating in fear. 
When we start to operate in fear, we will we, it produces a hole in our hedge. Now, what was it he was afraid of? We have to look in verse 1, chapter 1 again to find that in verse 5. And it says, um, well, actually, let's read verse 4. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, family, first of all, we're not supposed to repent for maybe sins. Well, I might have sinned here, so I'm repenting. Listen, we got the Holy Ghost inside of us, and when He convicts us, we pray... Sin, we, of sin, we repent. I know I used to do this is the reason I know this so well. I used to say, God, if I've sinned, you know, Satan will come by with you with condemnation about something and you'll get under condemnation and then you start repenting. If I've, if I've sinned, Lord, forgive me. Listen, if you've sinned, what you need to say is, God, show me any sin I have. And when you show me, I'll repent. Because otherwise we get out of faith. And you can't repent for unnamed, unknown sins. It's not faith. It does not work. Amen? Well, he was into fear here, and he just started repenting of everything he could think of that his sons might do because he was afraid. If they sin, they're going to, you know, it's going to cause catastrophe in our lives. In other words, that hell on earth we talked about. And so he starts repenting in fear. Listen, if you've got kids that are under that are still under your roof, even if they sin, you fathers and mothers keep the hedge up. Don't, don't get in fear. And God will protect your kids in sin. You know, Gloria Copeland. You know, John Copeland was a... He was a... He was a... He, he, went, he was out there doing everything known to man. And driving fast and, and uh, doing all sorts of things that he wasn't supposed to do. And, and you know what? But the parents in faith, stay in faith, keep the hedge up. Not just letting them go wild. I'm talking about dealing with them. But you know, you, how many of you know they get to a certain age? You can't go to school with them. And the same here. These kids right here did things they shouldn't have done. I mean, they walked in the sewers in Seminole, Texas and stuff. If I'd have known... But you know what? Mama and Daddy were in faith. We were in prayer. And so they were protected. Fear will cause us to have a hole in our hedge. Listen, don't, don't pray against diseases you don't have. Because that's fear. I just bind cancer in my life. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? No, but I just don't want to get it. That's fear. Quit praying against diseases you don't have. Right? Okay. All righty. Well, uh, there's other things that will break our hedge. Turn over to Proverbs 26.2 and we're ending. Besides fear, there's a couple of, one other thing that I want to talk about tonight. Proverbs 26, verse 2. Now, I'm sure there's many things that will put a hole in our hedge, but here's the two biggies. Uh, Proverbs 26.2 says that the curse causeless shall not come. 
Listen, if you'll keep your hedge up and you'll stay out of fear, the curse doesn't have any cause and it can't stay on you. Now, I'm not saying the fiery dart won't come, but the fiery dart, you can resist just like that. But if you get a hole in your hedge and, and, and you begin to do things, you can cause the, 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 you can cause sickness to ha- Satan to have a right to bring it. Okay, let's go to the next thing. In 1 John 5:18 tells us something real important. We're, y'all are catching. 1 John 5:18, we know that whosoever, I'll wait till y'all quit turning. 5.18 We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We can keep ourselves in a place where the wicked one can't touch us. We can keep ourselves in that kind of place. Now, I want you to um, turn to um, Proverbs 15.4. I was actually supposed to give you this scripture first, but it won't hurt. We'll do it last. Proverbs 15, 4. Because we're talking about having a hole in our hedge or having an open door. We can close the doors. Get out of fear. Get out of fear. The best way to get out of fear is to renew your mind. you got to get in the Word to drive out fear. There's no other way for fear to go. I know that, you know, at a time in my life, fear, there was a, a, a demon, really, demon spirit of fear just came against my life. Man, I wanted to just, I wanted somebody to just cast it out. But, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to fill up myself so with the Word of God that it just didn't have a place to be. Amen. And a lot of times, you have been, you have been so impregnated with fear. Some of you have very fearful mothers. And you know that stuff, it, it's kind of, it, it just passes down. If they're afraid of everything, oh, you know. And you've got you to root that out. You've got to root it out and root it out and root it out. Now, I was blessed. I didn't come from a very fearful family. I didn't have a lot of that. But I have seen people that were so, 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 so fearful. I know I had a friend in, in, uh, when we lived in, when we were younger. We were filled with the Spirit. But, uh, and, you know, her little boy, Brent, he came over to play with Colin. He's like, don't go in the alley. Well, little boys are supposed to go in the alley. Y'all may not know what an alley is. Huh. Not a lot of alleys in Alabama. I noticed that right off. But that's where little boys play is in the alley. Man, I played there when I was a little girl. That's where you play is in the alley. Don't go in the alley. See, and if you have a mom like that, that's always fearing everything. Listen, y'all, little boys are supposed to climb trees. And when we don't, don't go in the alley. Don't climb that tree. You're going to make them weird. Get rid of that fear. Get rid of that fear. I, 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 sometimes I look back and I think, were you asleep? They tell me things that they... No, I really wasn't. I was in the house praying. I was in the house praying and they were doing all sorts of stuff. I didn't let my kids run in and out of the house. No, you go outside and you play and you stay out there. I'll call you when it's lunchtime. That's where, little, that's where little guys belong, is outside playing. Michael's mom, she was even worse than I. It's like, she locked the door. <laughs> she had three, though, and she locked the door. You ain't coming in. You're playing outside, honey. You know, not tracking in and out of my house. The little, that, you know, not being in fear. 
Listen, family, you can't protect them. You can't, no matter what you do, you can't protect them. The greatest protection you can give them is faith. If you get in faith and you pray over your children, the Lord will do them what you can't do. So don't be in fear. Don't be afraid. Hey, parents that have daughters, don't be afraid of your girls getting pregnant before they get married. Because if you do fear, I'll put the hedge down. You know, we had a friend recently that her daughter got pregnant. This was so strange. They, we went back and they told us about it. They said, well, we got to tell y'all something. And, and so, you know, and they told us. And the, but the funny part about the whole story, and this is what amazed me so much, is the day that the woman found out that the daughter was pregnant, and, uh, well, she called her husband on his cell phone. And she knew there were people in the pickup with him. And he picked up the phone. And you know what she said? She said, and then she told us this. She doesn't even know to this day what that she's done. But she said all she had to say to him was this, our worst nightmare has happened. And she said that he knew exactly what she was talking about. And so later, I'm hearing this story, and they go on. It's a long, involved story and all this. And later I come back and I say to him, I said, how did he know what you were talking about when you called and said this, our worst nightmare has happened? How did he know? And she said, because it's been our greatest fear. Since the day she was born, we talk about we, He said, she said, we talked about it the day she was born. And it's been our greatest fear. Now, there, you, you, there's some smart things you can do as parents to prevent those things. And there's some, there's, some, there's some wise things you can do. And some parents are just foolish. They're just not wise. But the greatest thing you can do is be in faith. And not be in fear. Because Job says, the thing I feared most. You know, the sad part is, is the parents are as much responsible for that little problem that happened that God's turned into a blessing, by the way, a great blessing, but because uh, they're faith people and they're in faith now. But uh, the parents are as much responsible for it as the children. It's kind of like having your stupid spoke over you all your life. If you, the day you're born, somebody starts talking about you're stupid, those words have power. Amen. So fear is a big thing. Proverbs 15.4, and this is the end, this is the last one. 15.4, a, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, the word there, um, um, wholesome tongue, in the Hebrew, this is strange, this is interesting, not strange, but interesting. In the Hebrew, that wholesome tongue there says the healing of the tongue. The healing of the tongue is a tree of life. Every sinner who gets saved, we don't need to just get our spirit saved. We need to get our tongue healed. Because you know what's talked about in this world. we got to get our tongue healed. So uh, the, listen to this. The, the healing of the tongue is a tree of life. Perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Perverseness means the wrong use or misuse of the tongue. The wrong use of the tongue is a breach in the spirit. Breach is a leak. Or we could say it's a break in the hedge. The wrong use of your tongue is a break in the hedge. 
Listen, there is nothing that has ever came against you. or there, There's nothing in your life right now. You're living out what you spoke or what somebody spoke over you. So it's important. Parents, it's so important for you not to be in fear. It's so important not to be in fear. Whatever you're afraid of, deal with it. The answer for everything we're afraid of is in the Word of God. If you're afraid of thunderstorms, deal with it. I noticed Alabama people are so, so afraid of tornadoes. I, I noticed they're afraid. Most of them are terribly fearful of tornadoes. We need to deal with it. You deal with it because it's a break in the hedge. It's a break in the hedge. And we need to have our hedge. So here's, let me end with this. Let me just tell you what the Holy Ghost gave me. When, when something begins to manifest in our life that's undesirable, we need to question ourselves. And we need to just kind of, now Holy Spirit, shed your light on this. Is this generational? No, it's not generational. Okay, is, this, uh, is, this a, is there a natural reason for this? You know, sometimes we can fix things real easy just by, you know, fixing something in our life. Something in the natural realm. You know, some things just, you know, you can just go to bed and fix. I know Colin, he thinks a bath fixes anything. Hot bath. Just get a hot bath and it fixes anything. I know Eric had food poisoning one time. We all got, well, three of us got food poisoning from, I won't tell you what restaurant because they have one here in town. It's, it, it's a chain. We got food poisoning. Three of us. And Eric, he was little. He was sick. And boy, I was just like, he, he, he rung me out. He was just, you know how they are. <laughs> and, and you know, Colin's a little kid. He's like eight or nine years old. And I hand him Eric and I say, here, take him. <laughs> just take him. Just And you know what? Next thing I knew, Colin had drawn a bath. He had him in the bath. <laughs> It's like, this will fix it. Well, you know what? He did feel better. He, he's like, but he's like, it, it, baths fix anything. Well, sometimes natural things do fix things. They do. So sometimes we can just ask ourselves that. And then when you can ask ourselves, you know, well, is this a fiery dart? Because if it's a fiery dart, I can just resist this thing. Or is there a break in the hedge here? Well, now listen, honey, if it's a ca cancer diagnosis, it's not just a fiery dart. There's a hedge there. There's something you need to deal with. But here's the good news. Psalm 103. He heals each of all our diseases. Each of all. Just receive your healing. Let's stand up together tonight. Well, we've had a good time in the Holy Ghost.